Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom, where today we will be discussing the Proxy Voting Annual Review 2022 from Insightia. You can get your free copy by visiting the publications page on our website, one.insightia.com. I've also provided a link in the show description for you on whatever app you're using. So I'm Kieran Paul and today I am joined by Emmanuel Pellicuccia, Managing Director and Head of Sustainability Advisory at Alliance Advisors. But first, let's hear from Insightia's Publications Editor, Rebecca Sherritt. Thanks, Kieran. I'm excited to discuss the report, but more importantly, have you watched the film I recommended in the last episode? Um, hmm. Um, to quote you, more importantly, I can't even remember the name of that film. What was it? <laughs> the End of Evangelion. Right. Well, I will be watching that um, post-haste. Please make sure to do so, because I'll be asking again in the next episode. So on to the report now, then. Um, what are the key themes? Yeah, so the 2022 season was quite an odd one. There was certainly a lot of highs and lows. While in the 2021 proxy season, there was really significant levels of support for environmental and social proposals, investors were a lot more hesitant to lend support this time around. Um, to look at just the S&P 500 as an example, ENS shareholder proposals won on average 26% support this season, compared to a pretty hefty 35% last season. And the difference is even more stark among the oil and gas sector, which typically bears the brunt of most of the environmental resolutions. Climate change proposals in the US energy sector this season averaged 31% average support, compared to 60.7% just one season prior. And there were quite a few reasons for this. The global energy crisis brought on by Russia's invasion of Ukraine meant that companies, especially oil and gas companies, had enough on their plate to be dealing with this season. So the priority wasn't really on reducing emissions as much as it would have been in previous seasons. The US had a particularly hard time of it. There was a surge in ESG proposal filings due to SEC no-action amendments last November. And this amendment meant the material ENS issues were no longer eligible for exclusion from proxy ballots. There was around a 133% increase in ENS shareholder proposal filings, which might seem good initially, but actually meant that there was a lot of concern among investors about proposals being overly prescriptive and poorly targeted. As a result, average support declined quite significantly. The anti-ESG movement was also a lot more vocal in the latter half of this year. States like West Virginia, Florida and Arkansas all implemented measures to limit the ability of fund managers to take ESG into consideration when managing investments. And really surprisingly, even some shareholders like the National Center for Public Policy Research joined the fight against ESG arguing that ESG and equity policies are discriminatory. Another really interesting trend is that while ESG shareholder proposal support declined this season, investors seem to be using other methods to hold boards to account for their ESG shortcomings. 
This season, we noticed in the report that investors a lot more readily voted against directors to signal discontent with ESG oversight. This was especially evident among the S&P 500, where eight directors failed to receive majority support this season, which is double the number one season prior. Committee members responsible for ESG oversight, such as nominating, compensation, or sustainability committee members, for example, were hit especially hard by revolts. And how did leading investors vote this season? I'd say their voting, especially on ESG resolutions, was really different to previous years. And this played a big part in the declining overall support for ESG campaigns this season. The five largest institutional investors, meaning BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, Fidelity and JP Morgan, decreased their support for US environmental and social shareholder proposals by an average of 15.1 and 13.5 percentage points respectively between the 2021 and 22 proxy seasons. And this, again, did owe to concerns of proposals becoming overly prescriptive. But on the flip side, the leading investors did seem to be more supportive of activists this season. Combined, these top five investors voted the dissident card 25 times out of 83, or 30% of the time, in US proxy contests held during the 2022 season, compared to 14 times out of 58, or 24%, one season prior. And there are a number of reasons for this. Um, One is the interesting possibility that leading investors are lending support to more ESG-oriented activist campaigns, because, of course, these are quite a new trend coming from this season. But again, it echoes back to that trend I mentioned about voting against directors due to ESG concerns. Although shareholder proposals weren't supported as much this season, ESG-oriented activist campaigns, as well as director elections, were wielded in a similar way to ensure accountability for ESG oversight. Now, just like our Wildest Activist Campaign's Top 10 Countdown, which you can listen to by scrolling through your list of episodes, the report features a top five of its own. So, Rebecca, can you tell us what exactly is counted down from five to one? So, every year in our report, the Insightier editorial team vote on what we consider to be the key players of the 2022 season. And by key players, we mean fund managers and shareholder advocacy organisations that help change the terms of engagement this season. We find this section really valuable and think our readers will too, because it helps identify which fund managers and advocates really paved the way for the trends of that season. And it also helps give an idea of the trends to come in 2023 and who to keep an eye on. So to keep listeners then in suspense, who took fifth place? Fifth place was environmental advocacy organisation Market Forces. Market Forces are pretty well known for pushing Australian energy and financial firms to strengthen their climate commitments. And they were again very successful on this front this season. But what's also very interesting is that in the past few months, market forces expanded its scope to Japanese and UK issuers for the first time. Among its notable targets, Whitehaven Coal, Santos, along with Woodside Energy Group, 
all face sustained pressure to wind down their coal production. Market forces criticism of Woodside's decarbonisation plan contributed significantly to Woodside's say on climate vote, facing 49% opposition, which was actually the largest vote against any sound climate proposal globally to date. And at Santos, market forces went one step further, submitting a complaint with the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, accusing the energy giant of producing misleading statements on gas expansion that they argue essentially amount just to nothing more than greenwashing. And then turning to Japan, market forces launched quite a few interesting campaigns calling on issuers to strengthen their climate disclosure, all of which won above average support this season. Proposals calling on Sumitomo Mitsui Financial Group and Mitsubishi Corp to disclose their net zero strategies both won upwards of around 20% support, compared to just 8% average support that environmental shareholder proposals won at Japanese listed companies overall this season. A lot of responsible investment advocates have had their eye on Japan, mainly due to its rapid uptake of ESG policies and disclosure practices, but market forces has really been leading in that field. And fourth place? Fourth place was the New York State Comptroller and New York State Common Retirement Fund. The New York State Comptroller was super active this season, not just on environmental issues, but also issues concerning social equity and human rights. So they had their fingers in many pies. In an environment where ESG proposals faced a lot of criticism for being poorly targeted, it's safe to say that the comptroller's engagements were really carefully crafted. Their proposals seeking enhanced harassment and discrimination reporting won upwards of 67% and 32% support respectively at Activision Blizzard's and Starbucks's AGMs, just shortly after both companies faced criticism for alleged gender discrimination and anti-unionization efforts. And outside the state fund manager's focus on social issues, their comptroller Dinapoli also held companies to account on their net zero goals. In August, the comptroller warned that oil and gas companies which do not have viable plans to adapt to a low-carbon economy will face divestment. This yearly campaign by the comptroller carries a lot of weight. Only earlier this year in February, the comptroller sold $238 million worth of stock across 21 shale and oil companies, due to them being what Didapoli described as being unprepared to decarbonize. So it's pretty clear that the state comptroller is not afraid to bring out the big guns and take very tangible action, making divestment seem an all-too-real threat. Listeners then will have to find out the top three by getting the report. Right, Rebecca? They will indeed. There's some pretty big players in there, so everyone will want to learn more about them and know who to keep their eye on. I'm Sanford Lewis of the Shareholder Rights Group, and you're listening to Insightia's Beyond the Boardroom podcast. Hear my interview by scrolling through your list of episodes. Well, my thanks to Rebecca there. Now it's time to hear from Emmanuel of Alliance Advisors. Thank you. Great to be here. So firstly, tell us about what Alliance Advisors does and about your role. 
Absolutely. Alliance Advisors is a global proxy solicitation, investor intelligence, and corporate advisory firm. So we partner with companies around the globe, across industries, uh, to help with any matter related to the annual meeting, as well as improvement around corporate governance, and for my role specifically, ESG. I lead our sustainability advisory team at Alliance Advisors, so we focus on supporting companies to enhance disclosure and strategy around their environmental, social, and governance performance. What level of information or disclosure or transparency should investors expect from companies on climate-related matters? We've certainly seen climate take center stage over the past few years, uh, particularly during proxy season uh, in the way of shareholder resolutions and other investor-related engagement. And the expectations of investors have definitely increased over the years. The number one area that I would certainly highlight is the expectation of companies to disclose in line with TCFD, or the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. This framework really provides a great approach for companies to provide information around governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets related to their overall climate program. So we're certainly seeing investors heighten their expectations for company disclosure around that governance piece. How is the board being held accountable for climate-related matters? How is the board overseeing risks and opportunities related to climate? We're also seeing that in terms of strategy. How is the company considering climate-related matters within their their overall business strategy, not just within a dedicated ESG strategy? So again, the way that companies are reporting in line with TCFD is is certainly very important, not just checking the box to have TCFD within disclosures, but rather have robust and ambitious disclosures that provide investors with the information that they're looking for uh, to ensure that companies really are managing climate-related risk. Of course, the other two pillars of TCFD are risk management. So uh, considering climate-related risks and opportunities to the business and ensuring that those climate-related matters are being managed appropriately. And finally, the metrics and targets piece is certainly something I would say is is becoming most prevalent for investors, uh, particularly as we're seeing this emphasis being placed on net zero or completely reaching zero emissions for companies. Having clear and ambitious targets and ways to measure performance toward those targets is something that we've seen really take off in in 2022 particularly. And Emmanuel, can you tell us about the movement around net zero? Because it seems that different investor-led initiatives are gaining so much momentum now around the globe. Absolutely. We've definitely seen investors mobilize and build momentum around this net zero movement. In the past, the climate-related ambitions that have really been asked of companies are science-based targets, which is a climate-related emission reduction target that 
aligns with what science says we need to avoid the most catastrophic impacts of climate change. So that has been less than two degrees of warming, uh, ideally keeping warming to 1.5 degrees. So in the past, companies have really been asked to set emission reduction targets that align with that less than two degrees or 1.5 degrees of warming. As different studies have come out that are showing we're not on track for that path, the expectations have really risen and there's been pressure around reaching net zero. So no emissions uh, across the board. Different organizations like the Science-Based Targets Initiative, which is a global organization that really sets standards for what constitutes a science-based target, has released new guidance that provides insight on how companies can set net zero targets. And beyond that, we are seeing investors take charge and really put additional pressure on companies to achieve net zero emissions. So just a few of those uh, movements in particular that we've seen include the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance, uh, which is a global organization or a global coalition, if you will, of institutional investors that are committed to transitioning their investment portfolios to net zero by 2050. So as part of this, institutional investors are setting ambitious targets uh, related to four pillars, which include their portfolio and and various um, sector-related targets and targets around engagement with companies in order to achieve this net zero goal. Currently, the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance has 10.6 trillion in assets under management. So it's a really significant movement uh, across the institutional investor space. We also saw following COP26, so Conference of Parties that happens every year, uh, the emergence of, of GFANS or the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, which is another coalition that's really bringing various financial market players together in order to drive ambitious policies and regulation and progress by companies around uh, achieving net zero. And finally, you know, beyond these broader coalitions, we're definitely seeing individual asset managers also step up and establish ambitious targets or plans to push the space forward toward net zero. So just a couple of weeks ago, Norgis Bank Investment Management established its, or I should say released, its 2025 Climate Action Plan, which is really focused on driving portfolio companies to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. So there are various elements of this plan, um, including the, the market level, the portfolio level, and the company level through which Norgis is going to be really ramping up the expectations of companies to enhance climate-related disclosure and climate-related performance. So all of this is, is really to say that, again, companies may certainly experience increased engagement from investors through any number of, of channels to really ensure that their 
putting forward ambitious climate action plans and uh, sticking to those plans in order to reach this this net zero goal. It's interesting because 0.5 degrees doesn't sound all that much, but the impacts, of course, are humongous. They're potentially catastrophic. Absolutely. It, you're right. It doesn't sound like a lot. It sounds negligible, but when we really do look at the impacts of heightened events that that may come from that 0.5 degrees, it shows that there are really significant risks to companies, financial risks, operational risks. um, And that's part of what investors are really looking for moving forward. And and they have looked at it to to date to a certain extent, but I think this is where we're going to see things really ramp up is how are companies really identifying what those climate-related risks to their business look like and how are they managing them accordingly, taking into consideration these various pathways, if you will, of two degrees of warming versus 1.5 degrees of warming to ensure that proactive action is really being taken to avoid those negative impacts associated with climate change. And can you talk now about the future trends around investor expectations for companies and their climate action? I'd love to know what you think we will be seeing. Yeah, it's a great question. I think everything is evolving very rapidly. Again, climate is a really urgent topic, an urgent issue that requires swift action. And as a result, we're seeing these very quick developments from investors that are requiring rapid action by companies. That's a lot of pressure, but it's certainly because of the financial and and other risks associated with climate change that requires that uh, significant action to be taken. So I think one of the main areas that we're certainly going to see ramped up is the idea of uh, the say on climate management proposals. So there's been a trend so far of these increased resolutions put forward by companies to have their climate transition plans or climate action plans approved by shareholders. We've seen this most significantly in the U.S. to date, but it certainly emerged in other markets as well, um, including the U.K., Switzerland, and other markets uh, across Europe. But I believe that this expectation of companies really putting forward a very clear plan of how they're going to achieve the commitments that they've disclosed publicly uh, is going to be really important. So, Again, we've certainly seen a lot of commitments by companies around climate action, around achieving net zero or working toward net zero. But now investors are really asking, okay, but how are you going to achieve this? And there's a lot of scrutiny being placed on companies who have made these commitments, but have not necessarily provided a clear way that they're going to achieve it, um, providing investors with the the insight into how they will work toward accomplishing these goals. So companies putting these say on climate resolutions on the ballot is certainly a potential area that we might see gain more momentum. 
Earlier this year, Legal and General Investment Management actually announced plans to file shareholder resolutions at companies that failed to put strong climate transition plans to vote beginning in 2023. So I think that's a perfect example of how this is already emerging and how company or rather how investors are really going to expect companies to not just commit to climate action, but show what clear steps are going to be taken in order to accomplish those ambitious climate goals. And do you have any final message for our listeners? I think I would just emphasize that, again, this is a rapidly evolving area. um, And I think the other piece to keep in mind is Historically, perhaps climate has been a focus on just the company's direct operations, but climate is a is a global issue. Uh, we need contribution from all players in order to achieve the mitigation goals that we need. And as a result, companies are also now being asked to look beyond their direct operations and really be accountable for emissions associated with their supply chains or for financial institutions for their portfolios. And so there's also a shift happening on that front in terms of looking at scope three emissions or the emissions throughout your supply chain and looking at financed emissions or the emissions associated with lending, underwriting and investment activities Uh, both of which tend to be higher than emissions from direct operations for a lot of companies. So I would just end by saying that not only do we need ramped up action, but we really need to look at expanding the scope of this climate action as well. And uh, that's going to be really crucial for accomplishing what what we need uh, in terms of climate action. Well, thank you, Emmanuel, for joining me. Really appreciate the opportunity to do this. This was awesome. Sadly, though, that's it for today's episode. Make sure to get your free copy by visiting the publications page on our website. Remember, you can also subscribe to our magazine, Insightia Monthly, by emailing insightia.subscriptions at diligent.com. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening and enjoy reading your proxy voting annual review. 2022.